The artist Marcel Duchamp said, I'm interested in ideas, not merely visual products. Welcome to Starling. I'm Amy Markham. Thanks so much for deciding to join me in this podcast about personal creative development. For as long as I can remember, I've been interested in how creativity can enrich our lives and deepen our personal experience. Artistic practices offer so much more than products for both the creator and those who engage with the artwork. As I started to think about where to start and what I wanted my first topic for Starling to be, I kept thinking of the artist Marcel Duchamp. Not because he's my favorite artist, I mean, I like his work, but it is his approach to being an artist that I find truly inspiring. Duchamp lived his life as his main work of art. In his view, the artist could do nothing but art. In that way of thinking, every action or inaction is in itself art. When one takes on the role of quote-unquote artist, the very way we live our lives becomes our product. Each moment, a movement in an unfolding dance or opera or action painting that documents our relationship to the world. The activities and discussions here are meant to help you take notice of what you are creating with the life you are living. In this effort, I hope we become more in tune with our lives being the masterpieces that we are constantly creating. Through connection to and awareness in our life process, all of our artistic output will be more meaningful and therefore more powerful. My goal in developing Starling is to remind listeners to stay aware of your own creative life process. It is also meant to build a habit of paying attention to process over product. Products are great, and we all love when we make something that is considered good or valuable, but the reason we find joy in creating isn't what we produce, it's the act of production. Artists love the process of creating. That's why we do it. We find joy in the ability to take an idea or feeling or experience and transform it into something concrete that communicates to others. Each thread of that is enjoyable. The mental work of playing with the idea that we want to communicate, developing a personal relationship with the concepts we are exploring, understanding the bigger underlying questions we are working with or through, finding the right medium for expression, creating the work, then sharing the work with others to see if our efforts were effective. When the results of that process are a product that truly communicates to those who engage with the work, there is no feeling quite like that. I see a a lot of focus on product. We are all part of a world that thrives on the buying and selling of products and services, and I believe in that, and the idea that we are all capable of creating things that others will want or need. Our ideas are valuable. Our expression and viewpoint is valuable and should be valued. However, art, with a capital A, can be damaged when product over process is emphasized. If we aren't careful, we end up as just an echo of all the same voices that are already out there. And often, those voices are already a little bit mediocre. This happens because we're trying to be relevant to others rather than true to ourselves. 
As we try to find something people will see as valuable, we can lose sight of what we actually value. And this isn't surprising. It's always been this way. It's just a little more obvious now. With things like Pinterest that have us looking at the world a bit differently, it teaches us to value the artistic visions of others, which is great. But it can also make us silence our own voice and expression in the belief that the ideas of others are better than our own. So we just copy them. There are businesses that sell the process of going to make the same painting as everyone else. That process is very different than trying to find your own voice and method of expression. But don't get me wrong, I can see value in those paint night places. It might get someone to just dip their toes into making art, and maybe it will remind them of how good it feels to be a creator and see something form from their efforts. It could help someone who is afraid to get started feel safe to create, and that is a valuable service. The sad thing is, often it just stops there. It stops with, let me recreate this thing that someone else has already created. There isn't much out there for people who want to keep taking more steps towards finding their own true voice. How do you move away from the safety of emulating others to find confidence in your own expression. Nearly daily, I have adults talk to me about wishing they could take my middle school art class. When I hear them say that, I don't really think they're talking about skill building. I don't think that's what they're looking for. And I may be wrong, but I think they're looking for a space that gives them permission to be creative, a safe place to play with their own personal expression. The adult world doesn't make much room for that sort of thing. Most of us leave that behind after grade school. For a lot of my students, I will be the last art teacher they ever have. That makes me very aware that most people are not working at all with personal expression, creativity, or developing artistic ideas in their daily lives, which is kind of sad. Because there's so much self-exploration that happens in the artistic process. I'm lucky to have been able to keep art in my life. I'm very lucky that no one told me it was a waste of my time or pushed me to quiet my interest in favor of something that would be more productive. In both my own personal process and my artistic product, I was encouraged. I was encouraged by teachers and parents and friends and strangers to just continue to explore. In art making of all kinds, we are just exploring our connections to the world around us. And then we produce works that engage us with those understandings more fully. I am lucky to be able to encourage young artists, even when other adults around them laugh off their interest as foolish or unproductive. I'm hoping to be able to encourage adults too, encouraging you to trust your own artistic voice Move your bias and taste aside and let that voice within you speak your truth. I want to encourage you to be fearless in this process of discovery. Being involved in the arts is soul work. It asks you to be unafraid, to connect, to fail and grow from it, to share at a level that is difficult to explain. If you are here and listening now, 
It's probably because you have already discovered how important this sort of work is. You may just be beginning to explore your creative potential, or you could have been working in a creative subject area for some time. But if you're here for this discussion, you are making a place for deepening, and I mean that in the overall sense. Art is therapeutic. And, as with any therapy, it pushes us to stretch and build, to find weak places and make them stronger. Just as an athlete has to condition and train to stay viable in their sport, the artist must train as well. Agreeing to commit to a creative practice is the equivalent of going to the gym. But instead of keeping our physical body active, we train to keep our creative spirits active and flexible. When someone gets a new gym membership, they often meet with a personal trainer as they develop their new workout routine. The trainer is there to help them evaluate their baseline fitness level and figure out what exercises will be best to help that person meet their own personal fitness goals. The person must be willing to push themselves to build new muscles to fix weak ones so that their desired fitness level can be met and then maintained. Think about it though, if someone went into that gym and they already had great biceps and they just kept working on their biceps and they never branched out to develop other muscles, they would just become some weird Popeye big arm thing. That would happen because they were afraid to try new exercises, because they weren't confident in their ability to execute them properly. Lots of people stick with what they know, so they never fully develop because of that nagging fear of failure. I see the art equivalent of this happen a lot. A student will come in very confident in some basic skill that they've worked very hard to develop. For example, drawing cutesy cartoon cats. Okay, They have identified themselves as someone who is good at drawing cats. So that student will then shoehorn that cat drawing into every assignment I give them. We'll be working on landscapes, and I will say, make a landscape, and they add that cute little cartoon cat. We'll be working on color theory, and when they make their color wheel, there's that cat in Roy G. Biv order. Eventually, I have to have a chat with them, and I have to tell them this is not having the effect they think it is. They think this makes them look like a good artist. And I have to break the news to them that it makes them seem limited in their abilities and not confident enough for further development. And no one wants to hear that. So usually it has one of two results. The student will either realize that what I said is true and push themselves to start fully developing, or they will become the big arm Popeye equivalent that never actually develops. They just double down on cartoon cats as their classmates start to surpass them, which makes them then feel diminished and they just stop making art. You do not want to get stuck in a comfort zone because it is like quicksand for the artist. So each of us comes to this conversation right now with your own skill level, and I want you to evaluate that. What are you already confident about in your own creative expression? As our first practice, I want you to evaluate your own skill level because skill is the tool that builds confidence in our expression. It is important to be aware of the skills you have at your disposal and which ones you're still gathering. We all have a toolbox that we've been building throughout our lives, 
filled with skills that we can pull out for creative tasks. When I graduated from high school, my art teacher, Miss Butler, gave me my first art bin. If you happen to have gone to art school, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. It was a toolbox to carry around Conte crayons and paints and pencils, brushes, all the stuff I would need for my college studio classes. It was sort of like a tackle box with trays that you could lift to reveal different materials. The stuff I used all the time, like pencils, erasers, sharpeners, I kept on the first layer for easy access. Some of the stuff in the bottom I rarely ever used, but it was there if I needed it. That art toolbox is the physical representation of what I want you to consider in this assessment. What's in your internal art bin? What skills have you already cultivated at any level, from basic to expert, that you can call on when needed? Think of it in those layers as well. There are some tools you have right there on top that are there whenever you need them. They're your easy access things, skills you probably take for granted. Others you may not think of at all at first. However, when you're working on a project, you can access them as needed. While these things may be connected to your art form, they can also just be life skills. Things like discipline, ability to accept change, organization, and so on are all life skills that connect to your artistic development. In a moment, I'll give you some questions to get you thinking about what's in that toolbox of yours. I want you to allow the questions I ask to lead you to consider anything that you can pull out and use when solving a creative problem. How you approach this practice is up to you. There is no right or wrong way to create your skills assessment. You could do something like make a bullet point list. You could brainstorm and mind map it. You can draw something, write a song about it, make a video, create a collage, There will be exercises that I offer here in this podcast sometimes, and I want you to engage with them the way that feels natural and correct for you. I have no set form, as the process in creating the skills assessment is just as important as the inventory you create itself. The important part is actually just getting started and trying and doing it. Don't spend too much time thinking about how to complete the task. Just follow what comes naturally to you. Many people struggle to acknowledge what they're good at or to actually be willing to look at their skills at all. And being humble is great sometimes, but here I need you to be able to actually say what you do well. Some people think that they are already good at everything and that denies things as well. That will lead you to becoming the Popeye big arms. So be willing to consider where you need to work, where you need to stretch, and where you need to build. But as we get started, if you feel like grabbing a pen or a pencil, we're going to start to kind of rummage through some skills. Dust them off. You'll be able to organize them. And once you complete your personal skills inventory, I would love for you to share it with me on my Facebook page, Starling Creative Living. I'll add a link in the show notes for that. You could post it in the comment section under this episode. I would love to see what you come up with and what you're carrying around in that toolbox of yours. So let's get started thinking about this. Here's some starting points. In any art form, there are foundational skills that you need to move forward. A musician will practice their scales and dancers have certain forms they must know and writers have to have good grammar and build a vocabulary 
Whatever your means of expression, I suggest you start with the basics there and start to reflect on how far you've come and where you are with them. For example, if you're a visual artist, think about starting with the seven elements of art. Line, color, value, texture, shape, space, form, and maybe the principles of design. Step outside yourself and evaluate your skill in the artistic area you are working within, whether that be dance or cooking or music or pyrotechnics. Would you say that you are proficient, emerging, or advanced? Now, I'm going to offer you some questions to consider. You can work with these directly or just see what it brings up for you. So here we go. Are you capable of making daydreams productive? Are you able to tell a good idea from a bad one? Can you find a good idea in a bad idea? Are you able to set aside your personal opinions, tastes, and beliefs to evaluate an idea? Can you get outside yourself to see potential? How easily can you find connections between seemingly unconnected things? Can you approach new tasks with a child's mind? Can you stay in the moment, in life and in general? In life in general and while working on a project? Can you find opportunity in difficult situations? In your artistic area of interest, are there skills you feel confident enough in that you could teach them to someone else? Anything you feel about these questions is totally relevant, and you can include whatever comes from it in your inventory. How you put the information that comes from this together is up to you. It could be written You could create photographs around it. You could vlog it, draw it, sing it. But the important part is to be honest with yourself and go through the process of doing it. So you can really develop a creative practice from a place that will help develop you as a whole. I want to thank you again for joining me. And I really do hope to hear from some of you about what you created with your skills assessment and and what you discovered. So share it on my Facebook page Or find me on Twitter at ArtTeacherAmy and let me know how this practice worked for you. Until next time, thank you for being here and enjoy your process.